This morning as we were in worship, there was a bit of a struggle as we came in. There was this, I don't know if it was a lethargy, whatever, but there was opposition. And I just want to comment on this because um, sometimes when you come to church, you think, forgive me, you think it's all about you. I say it respectfully. It's all about me, my blessing, what's going on. What you didn't know and what I didn't know is that after the service was over, someone came into the office and there was a manifestation of two demons in them and they needed deliverance and freedom. And the Lord Jesus gave it to them and the Lord Jesus set him free. Okay? But, but what happens is, is that often is that you're going into a situation, there's opposition even in the atmosphere, and you're not even sure why, what's going on here. And sometimes we think it's just about me. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, why is this happening? Blah, blah, blah. But what happens is, as we push through, see, the enemy senses, I don't know how, I don't know, some of that is beyond me. But the enemy senses when he's getting his, his territory <laughs> taken away, and there's an opposition. And if he gets us as his people, as God's people, to sort of give up and just kind of, you know, be subdued ourselves, we're not going to take any ground. And the Lord wants us to be able to take ground and see not just it's not just about your life but it's about those that are around us because they need freedom too amen, amen. and so when we come in and worship where our worship and praise is a warfare act it's not just it's not just like sweet little songs okay there's warfare going on there's things in the heavenlies you can't even see and there's there's a declaration of the lordship of jesus christ and those of you who are born again tonight, those of you who belong to the Lord Jesus, the Bible says that my servants are a flame of fire. And as you declare his praises, it's pushing back things that you can't even see. See, we get so used to breathing the air of heaven, if I can put it that way. You get so used to walking in the peace of God. You've gotten to the point to where now you know what it means to be forgiven. You know what it means to be accepted. You know what it means to belong. And so you get, to, you, you get used to walking in it. You get used to knowing God's voice, the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You get used to it. When you first heard God's voice, you're like, oh, wow, that was amazing. And one time, you know, the first time God ever used you and answered a prayer for you, you're like, wow, that was amazing. And now it's just like, yeah. But you get used to it. You don't realize that when you go into a situation, you're actually bringing the kingdom of God in with you. You're walking into a situation and there's stuff happening and, and this is why it causes some to rebel and they react at you. They mock you, they make fun of you because the spirit in them is, is troubled by the spirit that's in you. And there's, you know, that's where the spirit of rebellion, which is like witchcraft, that's where that comes into play. It's no game. Uh, let me tell you something, young people, you guys are told rebellion is normal for you as teenagers. That's a lie. That's the enemy's ploy because that's a door for him to enter through and he'll get a hold of you if you're not careful. Okay, I'm just telling you straight out, it's no game. The Bible says that witchcraft and rebellion are from the same spirit. So don't think that, well, I have to rebel. That's just the way it is. No, that's not true. Because God's command is, children, obey your, honor your father and those are God's commands and he'll give you help. He'll enable you to do it. Those of you who can, it just reveals the, your, the deadness of your own heart. That's what it reveals in you. And you need Jesus to save you from it so that you can and walk in God's ways and walk in the blessing of God. Does that make any sense? That's not what I'm preaching on tonight. But anyway, as we're coming into this Christmas season, one of the things I just want to do, we're going to take, take our Bibles and open up. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. And I want to mention to you that Christmas, again, is not one of those... And often, often we take events that have gone on biblically or we take events in our culture and we make them sweet little stories for children. Noah's Ark, for, for instance. How many of you guys have ever seen the pictures of Noah's Ark? And when you see it, it's a dainty little boat and all the little, little the giraffes are, are hanging off the side and there's someone little peeping through the window. And Okay, that's a horror movie where the whole world dies except for eight. That's not a children's program. But we take these things and we make them into these little kind of sweet little stories. Can I say to you that Christmas is war? I'll explain it in a moment, but Christmas is war. Christmas isn't about 
a dude in a red hat. Christmas isn't about little dudes with little flying reindeer with red noses. It's not about little elves that, that are freaky anyway. That's not what Christmas is about. Christmas was war. God was declaring war on the enemy. And Jesus did in him coming that he brought deliverance for humanity. And war isn't pretty. It's all over our TV programs now. We see it. We're on the news and we're like, we don't want to watch it. We, we get disturbed by it. But Christmas was war. Let me show you, let, let's go all the way back to the beginning, to the first prophecy, the first prophecy of the coming of Messiah, the first prophecy of the coming of Christ. When Adam and Eve were made, and I believe Adam and Eve were very real people, God declares it, Jesus confirms it. It's something that's very clear in Scripture as a historical narrative. Whatever science says and whatever they try to come up with to explain God away, it doesn't do it, it doesn't work. And so Adam and Eve, they were put in a perfect garden. And, and, and God said that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, everything else you can eat, everything else is yours. This is a garden for you, till it, take care of it. As your family grows, the space is gonna grow, you're gonna need to subdue the whole world. But Adam and Eve then made a decision. Uh, started with Eve, she was deceived, that serpent came in. And that serpent we know, the serpent of old who is Satan, we know that. The Bible's very clear that this is, the, this is the dragon in Revelation. And this one comes in and he deceives and he says, well, oh, is this what God said? Has God said you can't eat of all the trees? And, and this dialogue goes on. Can I say to you something? That if you're hearing voices in your head, don't carry on a dialogue, tell it to go. See, if the Holy Spirit's there, he'll bring light, but you know that there's a difference between that compelling voice and those things that are condemning, those things that are accusing, those things that are filling even your mind with bad and evil things. You know that's not the Holy Spirit. Don't have a dialogue with it. Tell it to get out in Jesus' name. Hmm. Listen, I know what it was like. I, I remember... I remember when Jesus set me free, the silence was just, it was almost deafening. It was so quiet. I never realized you could have a quiet space in here. I didn't realize that until Jesus set me free. Well, Adam and Eve, they, they ate the fruit and God's word was fulfilled and God said, the day you eat of it, you'll die. And so God comes into the situation and he begins to confront Adam and Eve and the whole situation. They've, they've clothed themselves. Uh, uh, they, they took uh, leaves and they put them together and they, they, they covered themselves. And then they heard the voice of God and they ran into the bushes to hide from the, the voice of the Lord. Verse 9 of Genesis 3, and it says, The Lord called to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? Not that God couldn't see him or didn't know. He was calling him out. And when, and when he had said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. First time Adam had ever been afraid like that to run from God. Because I was, in the, because, uh, because I was naked and I hid myself. He wasn't naked, he was covered. But the thing is, in the light of God, human coverings won't work. It's a picture of religion. It won't work in the light of who God is. God is uncreated light. And it goes to the very core of your being. And his sinfulness now and in his heart, this is what had happened. There was this damage that was done. And he said, uh, and the man said, the, the woman, the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her, what? Notice that's capitalized. That's a title. Just giving you a hint. Between, between your seed and her seed. He, that seed, singular will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's the first prophecy 
of the coming of Christ. That he will be a seed of the woman and he will crush the serpent's head and the serpent will bruise his heel. That's the first prophecy of Christmas. Can I say to you that the first prophecy of Christmas is God's going to deal with the satanic dominion that had just been set up. That he was going to crush it. That Jesus with his heel would crush the satanic work that had just been established. That that deception that had come in and now was bringing all humanity under its dominion, that the Christ would come and this first prophecy that he would come and he would literally crush the serpent's head. It's war. It's war. Christmas is a military act of God to bring dominion, the dominion of Christ into the world to set you free. You know, Christmas time is a weird time for a lot of people. How many of you guys like Christmas? Some of you do, some of you don't. Okay, yeah, no, all right. When I was growing up, I didn't like Christmas. Christmas was a time of drunkenness. Christmas was a time of being high. Christmas was a time of, I, my grandfather died at Christmas. My good friend of mine died around Christmas. It was, just, it was just Christmas. Just I didn't like Christmas. And then I came to know Jesus. I love Christmas. I do. I, 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 love, I love the songs that sing about the incarnation. I love the, uh, what's, what's that one? That, that Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's one of my favorites. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. I love the, the veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Oh, hallelujah. I love Christmas, but Christmas is a weird time. You ever notice what kind of the things it brings out in people? In the States... This week, we got to celebrate Thanksgiving, where everyone's thankful for everything they have. Then the next day is called what? Black Friday. <laughs> Black Friday. Why? Where everyone has to go out and fight to buy everything else that they don't have. That's crazy. You know, people go into debt at Christmas? Because we feel like I have to buy everything for everyone, and it'll make them happy, which we know what? Doesn't. <laughs> Uh, my, my son Nathaniel, I said this morning when he was a boy, he's a little tyke, and, and uh, we bought him this, this I, I, was like, uh, I, think, I think it was like one of those plastic car garages thing, and, and he got it, and we took it out of the box and put it over there, and, and we're looking at it, you know, we're kind of proud we got it for him as, as parents, and guess what he was enamored with? The box. Ever notice that when you get something new, there's a, a smell to it? How about this? A friend of mine, I I had never known this, but a friend of mine did detailing of cars. So he would clean cars and really kind of get in there with the the Q-tips, the the earbuds, and kind of do all the nooks and crannies. And then when you get done, there's a spray. You spray it into the car. It's called new car smell. It's fake. But it makes us feel like we have something, what? New. You know, newness is actually a delusion, (laughs) because you can buy something off eBay that's really old, but for you it's what? And it brings you happiness for how long? Okay, but this is the deception. This is where the world is at. This is what's going on. And and as parents, we think the more I give my kids, the happier they'll be. Is that true? The more you give them, the happier they are? It's called the insatiable appetite of the soul. Because no matter how much you have, it's, it's called the law of diminishing returns. It, 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 you can really see it exemplified in, in, uh, in people who, who are on drugs. Because whatever you took to get high this, this level, you have to take what to get the, the same high, you've got to take more every time. And more and more and more until ultimately often people will OD. It'll kill them because, because to get the reach the high that they're looking for, it takes too much more than what their body can handle. How about this? That same appetite 
in, 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 without the fullness of Christ is what dominates every single human being in the world. And we need freedom from it. Because only an infinite God, only an infinite God can bring about an infinite work in a, in a heart that needs infinity to be filled. I'm going to say that again. Because of the insatiable appetite of the heart and the soul, you need someone who is able, who is infinite in nature, to be able to fulfill that. And only he who is infinite, which is God, is able to fill that in your very heart and in your very being. So Jesus said he's like the bread of life, and those who feed, those who eat, um, shall never hunger, because there's a satisfaction that's only found in him. But Christmas is war. So the first, the first declaration where, where God says that the Christ is going to come, this, this, this is he's, he's going to be born of the woman, and, and this offspring of hers will crush the head of the serpent, this seed. And so, so, so we, we have this at the very beginning, and then we have this whole string of events that takes place to bring about that fulfillment, where then even with, with Joseph and Mary and, and all the dynamics of that. But, but go, to, go, to, go to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, because God said it this way in the New Testament. The, the Old Testament and the New Testament are absolutely linked. I've heard people say, well, the Old Testament's about, you know, a God of vengeance, blah, blah, blah. That's just not true. In fact, the first commandments of love are in the Old Testament. It's just renewed in the New Testament. It, it's absurd. But it's the same God, but he's working out this program and plan to bring freedom to humanity. Because when sin and death came in because of that satanic deception that happened and man's disobedience to God, it brought sin in. Sin then took hold of every human heart coming into the world. Not just as behavioral issues, but as the very nature that we are. And, and the, the devil comes in and then death comes in. And so you have this whole slew of, of this, this sludge of, of wickedness that comes in and affects all of humanity. Sometimes there's God pulling back restraint through revival. Sometimes there's restraint of God in grace and, and the teaching of God's word pulls back nations from absolute destruction. But then sometimes God says, okay, and he shifts his attention and he moves over in this place and that one's just left to go after their own appetites. And we see entire nations that fall. Rome and Greece, we find that nations across the world, I'm, I'm watching my own nation collapse from inside. The wickedness. <coughs> millions and millions and millions of children being slaughtered for convenience sake. God cannot turn his eyes away from innocent blood. Let's be careful because the UK is just as bad. And one day the cup will be full. And we're praying and hoping and preaching and proclaiming that it'll bring a restraint and a repentance if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways. God's one who will forgive and cleanse and heal their land. But in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His so we know the seed is who? Jesus, who is the, the Son. He's the Son of God, manifest in flesh. God with skin on His face. So the fulfillment of this, of this war that's going to come to this, this fruition where the Christ is going to come and bring the dominion of God, the kingdom of God will be established as it were like a beachhead where he comes into the uh, enemy's territory that the enemy's taken over, usurped, and he comes in and he sets up dominion and he works from that standpoint on. That's the way war works. It's called the front line. And it's got to get established. And so God comes in the flesh. Where Adam fails, Jesus is now going to succeed. And he's going to bring that dominion so that he can bring liberty to captives. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. 
to setting at, at, at liberty human beings like you and me. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a so this is the fulfillment. This is the prophetic fulfillment. He's born of a woman. You think, well, that's pretty much all of humanity. I understand. But it's also a son. Unto you a child is born. Unto you a son is given, it says in Isaiah. And he'll come then, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. So Jesus came as the son so that he could bring us into the relationship that was lost at the beginning. So he could bring us into the relationship of sonship, and that's not a sexist issue. Sonship was a place of belonging where it's just, it's like a firstborn kind of idea. And, and, and this, this bringing us into the sonship, then he would place his spirit in us so that we could cry out, Abba, Father. But Jesus comes, born of a woman in the fullness of time. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. So when Jesus, because, because we were the ones as human beings that we were in a lost state be in, in our humanity, Jesus then has to take on humanity to come like one of us. He has to come and where we lost the fight as man, he comes to win the battle as man. He comes to win it as your federal head, the Bible. It, it's a technical term, but it means he's the headship one. And, and then when, like Adam was the headship and what he did affected everyone else. And so when Jesus comes, his head, now, now what happens is those that are in Christ receive all the benefits of what he wins. So he comes and comes to fight. And the Bible says in Hebrews, it says, inasmuch then as the children have partaken in flesh and blood, he himself, this is him, this is Jesus, likewise shared in the same that through death, that what? Through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. Who is that? See, and I was never told that when I was young. I was never told that the devil had the power of death. I was told that God was the only one that had the power of death. Oh, this is gonna be an epiphany for some of you. Because some people in your life have died and you think God The devil kicked you in the teeth and blamed God for it. And so you've been angry with God. Some of you thought that God was the one that was having a go at you when it wasn't. It was your enemy. God wasn't trying to be your enemy. I'm going to echo this again. See, the thing is, is because when Jesus came into the world, he always did the will of the Father. Do you know that Jesus raised people from the dead? Do you think they should have died to begin with? Or let that sink in. Do you think Lazarus should have died? If he should have died, then Jesus disobeyed the father in raising him from the dead. The, the widow of Nain, her son, Jesus is in the funeral. I don't know if he's just walking by or he's invited. I, I'm not sure. But he raises the boy from the dead. I don't know how old the boy is. He raises Jairus' daughter, a 12-year-old girl from the dead. She shouldn't have died. But the one who had the power of death, that is the devil, was coming after the creation of God to bring destruction. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus raised them from the dead. He came as man, like you and me, and through death. How many of you guys have ever seen Men in Black? You like those sort of like Men in Black? Some of you are like older, like, I don't know, Men in Black. Some of you are too young to even know who they are anyway. Well, there was this scene where they're fighting aliens. Forgive me for using this illustration, but you'll know what I mean. And, uh, and I don't know if it's the first one, second one, I don't remember which movie it was. And, and one of them, he, he's got like this little pistol gun to kind of like, like take care of the alien guy. And, and uh, it's a big kind of bug thing. And, and he can't get to it. So he, he jumps at it and he gets swallowed by it. And he's got his little gun. And from the inside, bust the whole thing to bits. Jesus was swallowed by death and from the inside destroyed his power. He came 
to destroy him with the power of death, and that is the devil. He has absolute authority. Jesus said, all authority is mine. It's been given to me, he says. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And listen to the outcome of this. And release those who what? Release those who, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject, in, uh, subject to bondage. Have you ever met anyone who says, oh, I'm not afraid to die? Yeah, maybe you've said that. Oh, I'm not afraid to die. Um, <laughs> all, to challenge that, all you have to do is, is take away some of their rights and see how well they handle it. See, when I defend my rights, it shows I'm not willing to die. I just cut, them, cut, cut in front of them at Tesco's and see how people react. Cut them off in, in traffic and see what kind of rage rises up because their rights are being touched. Life is being touched. Actually, let them know that if you want to follow Jesus, Jesus said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And I've watched people who've been healed, who've been delivered, tell me to my face, I don't want to follow Jesus, if that's what the cost is. It doesn't matter if it's true. They just refuse. But when he delivers you from the fear of death, your whole life you go like this to him. He releases you from the fear of losing your rights and you pick up responsibility of love. And you get to in the freedom of God to serve. This is what happens. I remember we were at a, a conference. You remember that conference in Germany? And there was a song that, um, there was a song that was sung. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I surrender. Mm. How does it go? Some of you remember. Holy Spirit, I surrender. I say yes to you. I'm not a singer, so forgive me. Uh, Doug, you have that song, yeah? I, I sing it for a minute. Listen. He sets you free from the fear of death. So you can surrender to the purposes of God in your life. Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. Let's just take a moment, for those of you who can, and just tell him. We'll continue in the teaching, but just tell him. Holy Spirit of God, I surrender, and I say yes to you. And the song is that simple, and then I think it goes, and it just says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So sing it for a moment, and, and not to me, to him. Maybe tonight is a moment where you're, I gotta say it this way, um, a moment you're returning to the Lord. And, and you, you need to say yes to Him. And, and you need to say, I surrender to you. It's coming into line with Him. It, it's not you trying to be saved. It's not you trying to do something. It's you coming into line with Him. Because when you're out from that line, what happens is, is that you put yourself at an enmity with God as you do that. That's what sin is. It's doing it your own way. But when we come into line with his lordship, then all that God intends for you to walk through that narrow path is provided for you in him. But he wants your yes in it. And we'll continue in, in that. Just play it. And if it's your heart, I would just say, sing it to him. If it's your not, and you're, listen, if you're still in rebellion, can I just say to you, repent? You're still in rebellion, repent and, and, and let him bring you into line with him so that he can deliver you and set you free. And in the warfare of his cross and the warfare, which will continue with in the warfare, what he does, he will set you free and give you forgiveness and eternal life as a gift. Let's, let's sing that song for just a moment. Father, we thank you that Lord, we can come and Lord, you've given us even help even tonight to come into line 
with you. And so I pray, Lord, even as we continue, that, Lord, every, every foreign voice will be stopped in Jesus' name. Every, every wicked thing that opposes the truth would be shut down now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that it's in your love that Christ has come to release us from the bondages of our own making and that which we inherited from, from long ago. Thank you, Jesus, that you're strong enough, mighty enough to set captives free. So help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. See, Jesus came to set those captives free. The Bible says that, that, that he might destroy him who had the power that is the devil. In John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. It said, this is why Jesus was manifest in the world. This is why he actually came. He, um, he who sins is of the... Yeah. The Bible says in, in John chapter 8, I think it's verse 32 to 34, it says, those who sin are slaves of sin. We looked at that this morning. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God, who is the Son of God? What's his name? So the Son of God was manifest to who? Destroy what? The works of the... Guess what? He came, they're destroyed. They are being destroyed. They're being destroyed at every Sorry, I'm losing my mic here. Um, they're, they're being destroyed in every life, actively destroyed in every life that comes to him. See, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, From our natural state, we're under the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Maybe you can put that verse up. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. To which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the what? The prince of the power of the air, the spirit who what? Now works in the sons of disobedience. Before you were in Christ, that was your condition. You say, well, I didn't think it was like that. It doesn't matter, it was. You thought it was your idea. <laughs> no, there was influence happening there. Some of you know firsthand the depth of what that looks like. But when Jesus came, the way he brought deliverance. So in his life, when he came, after he was born, he came in and he, when his ministry started, he began to bring freedom and deliverance. He began to demonstrate the victory that he had in crushing the serpent's head. So in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it says, Jesus with God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and that he came and that and who went about doing good and healing all who were what oppressed of who so can I just say to you these weren't people oppressed by God Lord help us see some people think well God's done this to me God's messed me up well, every person that Jesus healed, according to Scripture, was oppressed by who? And they were all types of the things that he will continue to do and has continued to do down through time. He came to set captives free. They weren't captive to God. The devil had them. And he came to set people free. This is why Christmas is war. Because Jesus came to impose his victory to set people free. Some of you are, uh, oh, Lord help me. We get caught up in addictions. I hear people, funny addictions. People have told me I'm addicted to chocolate. Are you addicted to chocolate? I love chocolate. Well, they're addicted to all sorts of things. What it means to be addicted, it means that thing's got me. It's got me. I don't have it. It has me. But Jesus came to set you free from it. It doesn't have to bind you. They have all sorts of, um, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the terms that they use for them psychologically. You know, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm not going to ask for any hands. But it means that you have no control. 
and there's behaviors that you keep doing and you wanna stop, but you can't. And Jesus came to set you free. So that he, by the Spirit, in your own life, you can really walk free. Some of you have been addicted. I, I know I, when I was smoking and stuff, I, I enjoyed smoking. And when God was convicting me, I didn't really want to quit smoking. I have to be honest with you. And finally, when God delivered me from it, and he showed me that it was actually an idol in my life, and I was depending on it, and I would have never said I did. I would have never thought of it like that. And, and when he showed me, in fact, I, was, I remember I had hurt my hand. I'd cut it open real bad, and I was in the back of someone's vehicle, and I was in my you know, early 20s, late teens, early 20s, and I'm like, I had recently, had only not long, had come to faith, and, and I was like, oh, I need a, a cigarette. It's the only constant there is. That was my language. And the Holy Spirit said, really? I thought I was. I didn't realize it was an idol. See, the thing that you run to for comfort, who's the comforter? What you run to other than him? It's an idol. And you're bound to it. And he wants to free you from it. And Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And so Jesus sets captives free. He heals those who were oppressed of the devil. He comes, and, and, and the Bible says that he goes to the cross, right? So, so when Jesus is going to go to the cross, he's going to deal with every power of, of, of the enemy. In fact, in Colossians 2, verses 14 and 15, it says that when Jesus went to the cross, that he disarmed principalities and powers. He disarmed principalities and powers. He came and disarmed them, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he had taken having nailed it to the cross. Verse 15, having what? Disarmed. The word disarm means, means to take the weapons away from. Who did he disarm? The devils disarmed. No authority. Jesus and on earth and there's freedom in him freedom in him principalities and powers he made a public spectacle over the, of them triumphing over them in the cross how about this he beat the devil with both hands nailed behind his back he broke its power he broke its power he broke its power and there's liberty and there's freedom I don't want hands. I mean, the thing is, is some of you are bound. The guy that came in was, was rage in his heart. And he said, I, I keep trying to press it down so it doesn't take over. And after a short moment of renunciation, we began to pray. And he began to growl like an animal. Began to growl. Began to... I was, I was conscious. I was just like, I just want to stay far enough in case he swung. But he was bound. And within a few minutes, the Lord had set him free. And he, he went down as though he was dead. I was looking at him thinking, there's no movement here. And finally, when he comes to, and then his head starts going like this. Like a snake. And at that point, I began to rebuke rebellion and witchcraft. And he's free. I spoke to him later on and he says, I feel like I've been washed and cleansed. I'm at liberty now. There's freedom. Freedom in him. Freedom from the past, from what I've been. Freedom from what has me. And the thing is, is that I, you know, I grew up in a situation where my mom was into witchcraft and, and she did all that kind of stuff. And yet there's freedom. See, some of you have been involved in it. I know some of you that we've prayed with, some of you who've come to Christ and renounced it, and, and, and the freedom, the deliverance that came, hallelujah. Big gal here, I said, forgive me for putting you on the spot, my dear, but she, at, 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 at Arise, and she came forward for prayer. 
And boy, after she gave her life to Jesus, and there was, there was something there. She'd been messing around with, with witchcraft and that kind of stuff. She was just having fun with it. But then all of a sudden, that, that spirit got, a, got, got dealt with. She went, boom, and she hit the floor like a board. And she got up, and she was absolutely free. And her life is different now. This is real. Those voices aren't, aren't just imaginary. Okay? Those powers are real, and Jesus is more real. <laughs> and Jesus has absolute authority in heaven and on earth. And many of you, I mean, uh, Elvis over here. Well, we went up to, we went up to um, um, where was it, um, Billy Graham. And I, I didn't know him. Mean, he could tell you his own story about it. In fact, his wife could tell you his story about the way he behaved. But that rage... His whole countenance. Then he goes forward and he gives his life to Jesus. And he comes home a different man. Free. Free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. He who the Son of God, Jesus, sets free is free indeed. Are you free? No, 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 are you free? Can I say to you, if you're not free tonight, there's hope for you. There's freedom tonight. Jesus is the one who sets captives free. He heals, he delivers from those who, delivers those who've been oppressed by the devil. He beat the devil with both hands tied behind his back. He broke the power of sin and the law. Romans 6 and verse 6. Romans 6 and verse 6. Romans 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was what crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. By the way, when it says that he, that destruction that he brought, that he destroyed him who had the power of death, that's the same word used here. He destroyed the authority of sin in the life of the believer. So when you come to him, all sin, the power that it has to tell you what to do, is broken in Jesus' name. You die with him and you're risen in newness of life. That's why you have the power in Christ by the Spirit to repent. So you can turn to him. Otherwise, you wouldn't even turn to him. But he comes to set captives free. Do you know your sin is what's destroyed your life more than a lot of other things? It's your own choices. It's your own it's, it's what's in your heart. I, I want to do this. And then you're like, after you did it, you're like, I don't know why I wanted to do that. It's destroying me. You go off and, and you look at that woman and you're talking to her online and, and you're, you're, you're texting her and sending naughty pictures back and forth and pretty soon you ruin your marriage. That's you. That's sin in your life. You, you go off and you, you, you know, I... You steal something. I, I, I've seen it. I, when I work Tesco's and, and, and I see people on the CCTV and you watch them and they're like, they just put in their pocket and they stop them at the door. I don't know why I took it. I'm sorry. Blah, 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 blah. Ladies with their, with their children and their prams and they're pushing them through and that little thing up on top there and a little bit under there and stick those in there and, and nobody will know. As if. And then you get caught. You're like, I don't know why I did it. Sin. Sin's like a wicked master who keeps you bound. And you obey it. When temptation comes, you don't even find the power to not do it. And you do it, and then you're like, I don't know, young people, you ever done that where you've done something wrong, and then you got caught, and you're praying, oh, I just want to wake up, I just want it to be a dream. I did that many times. It was my own choices. And Jesus came to set us free from our sin. He came to set us free from, 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 from the devil. He came to set us free from our sin. He, he came to set us free from death itself. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 10. Uh, he, he abolished death. Uh, he destroyed it. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He came to destroy it. You know, the last enemy that will be cast in the lake of fire is, is, is death and Hades. The Bible says in, in, in Revelation chapter 20, 22, I, I believe it is, and, and he comes, Jesus, 20, uh, chapter, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, it talks about the devil being cast into the lake of fire where the, where the beast and the false prophet are. 
We're still waiting for their revelation to happen in the earth. But we're already told what the end looks like. And Satan and this, this, this serpent of old who deceived the nations, him and, and, and the beast and, and the false prophet all will be cast into the lake of fire, Scripture says. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The victory has already been written. It will be done. God's word will not fail ever. And what happens then is that later on in... in uh, in, in, chapter, in chapter 20 there, and, and verse 14, it says that death in Hades, death itself, will be cast into the lake of fire. So can I say, death isn't a point in time. It's something that can be, as it were, grasped and thrown into the lake of fire. It's a spirit of some sort. It's anti-life. I'm not even sure how you would describe it but it's a thing, the spirit of death, and will be cast into the lake of fire. Death and Hades. The Greek God don't have nothing on Jesus. The thing is this though, please hear me. In Matthew 25, beginning with verse 40, Jesus is speaking about the last days and the final judgment. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did, uh, you, you did it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then, I, then he will say to those on his left, left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for who? So hell was prepared for who? Okay, so let me just say this, that the victory of Jesus was already secured long before he actually fulfilled it. It was declared, and the place where the devil was going to end up was already prepared for him and the demons that follow him. People have followed him too. Anyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they're going to go there too. But that's why Jesus died. He went to the cross so that he could deliver you from the same end. He came, went to the cross and he paid for your sin, all of your wickedness, all of your perversion, all of the secret stuff that nobody else knows about, the stuff that's hidden, your rebellion. Everything is seen by him. Nothing is hidden from his sight. The whole earth and all the hearts of human beings are open before him as though there was a spotlight on each one of you. All of your sin, everything is laid bare. And Jesus, when he went to the cross, bore it in his body on the tree as though he had done it himself, although he had not sinned once. When he went to the cross, he made the payment in full. The eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life, man for a man. He took your place so that he could bear your sin and the consequence, the, the, the judgment that was due you so that he could set you free from the whole stinking mess and give you forgiveness and eternal life as a gift. Christmas is war. Jesus came to bring the defeat and the destruction of the satanic kingdom that had been established from the beginning. That usurped authority that was taken away and Jesus was manifest to destroy all of it and to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God in setting captives free. The Bible says that Jesus having died, he was buried, and then that through death and rising from the dead, he destroyed the power of death. So in the judgment, it will be final. It's a finished work. Let me just come to a close. The coming of Jesus means that for those that are his, you get to walk in his steps. He's the what? Serpent crusher. Guess what you get to be? So in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said to them that, that they, they, would, they would come. Let's see, um, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, he says, guys, I want you to go out and do this. 
And as you go, preach saying what? The kingdom of heaven, the domain of God, the rule of God is manifest right here, right now. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand. And then do this. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. What? (laughs) Cast out. Freely you have received. Freely. By the way, you know what? doesn't say pray for the sick, by the way. Does it? Does it say pray for the sick? You say, well, how am I supposed to heal the sick? Because greater is he who is in you. Acts, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and you shall receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And, and, and to be my witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And the Spirit of God comes and takes the authority of Jesus and in the power of Jesus by the Spirit to emphasize, not to emphasize, to enforce the kingdom of God and to bring freedom to those that are in captivity. He says, you do it. Jesus did it. And now he says, you do it. You walk in the same steps. You bring the same freedom. You say, some would say, well, that's just the 12 apostles. That's, it's okay for them. But then if you went to Luke chapter 10 and, and, begin, and looked at verse 9 when he, when he first sends them out. And he said to them, heal the sick and there and say, to them, the kingdom of God has come what? Near you. The authority and the rule of God is now made manifest right here. Now, when they went out, when they got back, beginning with verse 17, they, they come back rejoicing and saying, even the demons submit. Then the 70, these aren't the 12, this is 70 others that Jesus had sent out. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the what? Demons, that's the household of the satanic household that they're part of. He says that even the demons are subject to us in your name. So the, I don't know if they were expecting that when they went out. All of a sudden, this is what's happening. And it goes on, Jesus tells them. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of who? Over how much of the power, how, how much of the enemy? Over all. Okay, now you need to recognize this. This isn't Jesus saying, I will do this. He says, actually, you're going to do this. <laughs> Lord, help us. Jesus is the serpent crusher. In John chapter 14, he says, you'll do what I've done and you'll do greater. So guess what? You'll do his works. That's the whole goal of Christianity is that you're made like Jesus. That the power of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, the purity of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus, the love of Jesus is manifest in your mortal body. That you get to walk with him, like him, in this world by the power of his Holy Spirit. He said, I give you authority to to, to trample all the powers of the enemy. So it's up to you. How about this? In your household... Our household. Demons don't belong there. And we were singing a song as last week about this is a, a house of miracles was the song. And, and I, w- I was over there and it says that in one of the lines in there says that every demon will tremble. And I was looking across at John and he's going, no, they're cast out. We don't want them to tremble. We want them gone. <laughs> not, not the people, <laughs> not the people. We want them because that's the treasure. But those things to go in Jesus' name. Over all the power. Of the, could you imagine God using little old you to see the kingdom of God manifest through your mortal body? His spirit coming to live in you. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. In, 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 in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays for the church that, 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 that we would understand the power that, 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 that we, 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 we walk in, we step in belonging to Jesus. And in chapter, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, um, I'm going to pick up the reading. It says, um, he's, verse 16, it says, I do not cease to, th- um, to give thanks for you and make mention of you in my prayers. Listen, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you what? 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's the Holy Spirit himself, right? In the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This is the point. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above, how how high? Far above, not just a little bit above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So in other words, he does this. He puts Jesus here and he puts everything else under here. That's what he does. I know it's making simple. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he says, I'm praying that you'll understand the mightiness of that power that's at work where? In you who believe. In you who believe. He dealt with death, he dealt with Satan, he dealt with sin. He makes you a serpent crusher with him. What is it you're afraid of? The righteous are bold as a lion. He's not given you a spirit of fear, but one of love and of power and of a sound mind. This is who he is. This is what he's done. This is what Christmas is about. He came to establish the victory. He came and had made war. (laughs) And he's conquered. And he's conquered. And Jesus has already risen from the dead. And he's already exalted to the right hand of the Father. And the victory has already been established. And he's going to come back and collect those that are his. Can I say this to you? is that tonight, you're either, right now, still in bondage to sin, or you're a child of God. You're one or the other. You're either still under the domain of darkness, or you're in the kingdom of the Son of His love. You've either remained a rebel, fighting God along with all the satanic hosts that think that they can win, they've lost. Or you're on the side of the captain of the Lord's army. (laughs) In Joshua chapter 5, you've got this picture where Joshua is going out to Jericho. He's having a last look before they go and they have to invade the land and deal with this huge city. And God told him, you're going to march around it like seven times and this kind of event's going to happen. But he goes out and has a last look and he sees a guy standing in front of him and he's got his sword drawn. And, and Joshua looks at him and he says, okay, are you, are you for us or are you for our enemy? And the guy responds absolutely strangely. He says, no. He said, I'm the captain of the Lord's army and I have now come. I read that tonight, one of the words that was given this morning, and I read that tonight, and I just, I don't know, it did something to my heart. I have now come, he says. The victory is his. Tonight, Jesus says, I have now come. And tonight, there is liberty for you. You say, well, it's been that way for a long time. It doesn't matter. He still has the victory for you. You say, well, it goes really, really deep. That's all right. He's gone deeper. He's taken care of it. He says, I have now come. He says, you don't understand the, 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 the damage that it's done. It, it says, I have now come. When he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and she said, his sister said, yeah, I know my brother will rise again at the last day. He says, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. It's in him. And he says, I have now come. And Joshua had such a response. 
He's told to take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy. You come and stay a while. And the Bible says he worshiped. He came into line with the authority of the commander. If you understand anything of authority, being under the authority of the commander, his authority covers you and you're absolutely safe. And tonight there is liberty and freedom from your rebellion, from your sin, from the fear of death, from those demonic little scoundrels that are cut off and coming to nothing. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And tonight there's freedom, there's healing, whether it be mental, whether it be physical. Jesus came and released those, not only of the fear of death, but all of those that were oppressed by the devil. And tonight there's freedom. Tonight you're one or the other. Please hear me. I don't know every heart here. Praise God, I don't have to. Because the Lord of glory sees it. And tonight you can, if you're still in this camp of rebellion against the Almighty, that's just stupid. I'm sorry, that's just, that doesn't make sense. But tonight He will take you out of that camp and put you in his. He will be the one to save you out of your sin and your pit and put you high on a rock is what the Bible says. That he'll take you out of the, under the dominion of that satanic influence and he'll release you from its power. He'll release you from those powers and place you safely in his heavenly kingdom. He has absolute power to do it. He died, he rose again, he's already secured the victory. Can I say this? In one sense, he's just kind of waiting on you. Humble yourself. Don't say, I'll fix it myself, because that's a lie. Don't let pride get in the way. Well, I don't want anyone to know my business, man. Don't, don't, don't let that stop you from responding, because tonight, right here, right now, he says, I have come. And he wants to set you free. Addictions can go in a moment. I've seen it happen again and again and again. He can release you into the fullness of what he, what he came to bring to make you a child of the living God. Let's just close our eyes for a minute as we finish. Maybe tonight you're you're in a place where you recognize, Lord, I'm, I'm a been against you. I didn't realize to the extent, I didn't understand everything, but now, Lord, I know in my heart I, I want to follow you. I don't want to stay in darkness, Lord. I want to follow you, your light. I don't want to walk in darkness anymore. I don't want to be under the power of the enemy, Lord Jesus. I, I want to follow you. I want to have a good heart. Will you change me? And tonight, tonight he'll do it. I, I'm just going to pray really slow because... Maybe for you, it'll just help you to articulate it, to say it. And maybe a way that you wouldn't be able to or couldn't kind of give the words for. But tonight, I just want to help you. So I'm going to pray slowly. And I just encourage you to pray it after me if this is your heart. In fact, I'd say for all of us, let's just encourage those that are, that are wanting to pray this really for the first time. And, or maybe a time of recommitment tonight. Let's just pray this together out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you are my freedom. I believe you. I trust in you. Thank you for taking care of my sin. Thank you for dying for it. Thank you for taking it away. I believe you. I trust you. You are risen from the dead. I give myself to you. Take my life, Lord. Make me yours. Cleanse my heart. Make it new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me your power to follow you. Make me the man or woman of God I need to be. You pick. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for your love. I submit to you. My body is yours. My soul is yours. My mind is yours. 
My past is yours. My future is yours. Jesus, I belong to you. I submit to you. And I come into line with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to do something else tonight. We're going to make a declaration. A declaration is not praying. It's making a statement. It's, it's speaking out. And whatever needs to hear it will hear it. So this isn't talking to God. This is speaking out. And we're, we're going to do this. So uh, just do this with me. Trust me in this. In the name of Jesus, name of Satan, Satan, go. go. Body belongs to Jesus. My mind belongs to Jesus. My past belongs to Jesus. My soul belongs to Jesus. My life belongs to Jesus. My future belongs to Jesus. I now resist you. I renounce you. I renounce your works. And my trust is in Jesus. And his blood has cleansed me. I command you in the name of Jesus to leave me. You have no authority over me. My life belongs to Jesus. Now go and don't come back in the name of Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for liberty tonight. I thank you for freedom tonight. Lord, I pray for over each one of these that are here, that you would fill them with your spirit, that, Father, you would break every power, every witchcraft thing that's going on, everything that they submitted themselves to in the name of Jesus, that, Father, every addiction, I break it now in the name of the almighty name of Jesus. And, Father, we break its authority. We break its affection over their hearts hearts. Father, we ask you, come and fill them, Lord. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. Strengthen them in their most inner being. And Lord, let your power be made manifest. Lord, thank you for breaking the power of sin. Thank you for breaking the power of the enemy. Thank you, Lord, that you release us from the fear of death. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you are risen from the dead. And you are absolutely sufficient for all those who would trust in you, for those who believe, for those who will trust you, for those who will follow. And Father, we thank you tonight that there is liberty for captives. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen.